Welcome to the Biz and Mayhem podcast, where we talk about the mayhem in our lives and how to get ahead in business and your career. This is Chris Batchelor, and I'm here with my co-host, Tara Parker. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast, and uh, we are uh, recording this again tonight, so this is uh, a second try here. We had a little bit of an equipment issue. I think we got that sorted out, and uh, we're ready to just take her from the top. So how are you doing tonight, Tara? I'm just as good as I was (laughs) a little while ago. Maybe even better this time. Let's see how far we get. Well, we had a little bit of time to practice, so this round should be better, right? Should be perfect. So perfect. Knock on wood. <laughs> well, have you recovered from, uh, you know, your post Christmas and new year's, uh, you know, uh, fun and, and, uh, sitting around the house and all that kind of stuff. I did. I had two weeks off, so I was really kicking back and enjoying, got to do some cooking and some baking and some writing and some doing nothing, but it was good. How about you? Are you over your holiday coma? Uh, yeah, I, I think I am, uh, I'm pr- pretty much, uh, over my holiday coma. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, one of those things where, you know, I'm so used to going all the time and then yeah. we have this weird period between, between Christmas and New Year's where it's like, there's nothing going on and it's COVID. So nobody's doing anything and it's just, every, the whole world stops and it's just such a weird feeling. I, I just, I have a, such a hard time getting used to it every year. Well, I, I, that's kind of weird to me. Also, what's kind of weird is one of my coworkers, as we were doing one of those welcome back type meetings, and you know, somebody said, like, "Hey, are you guys welcome? Are you guys ready to come back?" And he's like, "I actually am. I was home for a few days, enjoying it, and then all of a sudden, I got bored." I'm like, "How do you get bored? How 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 do you get so bored? You want to go back to work?" I mean, good for you, but um, get away from me. I don't need that. If you're contagious, I don't want any part of that. So I don't know, but yeah, I, I am. I I don't know. I I get that. I got that itch to go back to work. I did stay pretty busy around the house. So, you know, as everybody knows, we just got done moving. And so there was that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so I think we're, we're pretty well moved in. I've still got a couple little house projects. Of course, now that I have a house, I I now have a a list about a mile long of things I want to do to it. So, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it is, have a list. Oh, you know, there, there's, there's things. I mean, I, one of the things is this video studio downstairs. I've got it, you know, pretty well set up, but, but there's a course, a bunch of things I want to do to improve it. So <laughs> right. we'll, we'll get there. We'll what do you say there. we uh, talk about some news? Yeah, let's talk news. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is the newsroom. So, yeah, uh, first up on the news, big news tonight is uh, there is mayhem in the Capitol here. (laughs) So let's take a look at this. Uh, Business and mayhem in the Capitol, no less. They they have everything for our podcast. Uh, Right. But, uh, yeah, so today uh, they were going to certify the election, right? And uh, a whole bunch of people showed up on the Capitol and and decided to not do so much business but do a lot of mayhem. (laughs) Yeah, they did. So they're saying that all these – many Trump supporters as they are identifying them. And it's because there's a lot of Trump paraphernalia out there. 
Um, they're saying that they just stormed the Capitol. And now there's reports coming out that um, it's not just Trump supporters, but maybe Antifa was disguised as Trump supporters. There's some other um, twits going around and some other um, uh, posts and different social media avenues, different social media um, communications that are saying that Antifa planned to be disguised as Trump supporters and um, swarm the the Capitol building. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, I'm I'm a good I like a good conspiracy. Um, as you know, yeah. Chris, and, and many of our listeners know as well. And so from the moment I heard about this, immediately my conspiracy hat kind of jumped on my uh, my head itself. It's like, uh-uh, something's wrong. And then that's before I saw all of the um, Antifa twists to it. And Because I thought, you know, if somebody storms that particular, it's a government building, it's going to be highly protected. It's going to be highly guarded. They're not just going to let a bunch of lobbyists and lawmakers and our government in there unprotected, Right. Um, but the reports are that these individuals were um, gaining entry into the Capitol building from multiple points of entry. And so it's like, uh, and then none of the, um, I guess only one woman was um, shot and killed, supposedly. I don't have any details about that. None that I trust right now anyway. Yeah, that's what the article but, here says. It says a uh, woman dead after riot or storm. But I didn't get the chance to read the article, so I don't, I don't really know, you know any details more than just the headline here. It's well, and the article says she was shot in the chest on Capitol grounds. It, but that's the thing. It says on Capitol grounds. It doesn't. Um, this particular article, it's from CNN Politics, doesn't say anything about if one of the protesters shot her, if she was shot by an armed guard, or who she was shot by, or even if she was shot in 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 a if, you know in, in association with this. For all we know, she it could have been a drive-by shooting that just happened to be right in front. Could have been a domestic thing. We don't know. Um, so, it, I mean, it's all new information, so it's all going to be sensationalized. Um, but I'm just not buying into the idea that, you know, Biden is confirmed and all of a sudden, you know, all hell breaks loose. Um, but nobody, none of the protesters, there's no mass shooting of the protesters by armed guards. There's no, it, it, I don't know, it just seems too neat and clean. And then to top that off, Biden came out with a very eloquent speech afterward, like, it, to me, it's like, eh, I don't, I'm not buying, even the best speech writers, and I'm a good speech writer, um, I just don't buy into it. I don't know. Something tells me there's more to the story and we're never going to know it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a lot going on here that's maybe not being reported and a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, for people to get access to the house, that's pretty crazy. I mean, basically right. the, the guards would just have to say, you know, we're not going to mess with you. Come on in. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, otherwise, Here, <laughs> I mean, normally you can't get in there without going through metal detectors and x-rays and, yeah. you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. So yeah, I, I think they just they just decided that that you know they instead of and it could have been a good strategy, right? I mean, if you have a bunch of protesters instead of deciding to shoot a couple of them, which is going to be an absolute political you know PR nightmare, uh, then maybe you just decide, hey, let them go and make fools of themselves and and, they and shoo them out, you know, <laughs> at, at some point. Well, and that's what's sad about because it's feeding into that racial narrative that we've been seeing so much of. I've been seeing a lot of um, social posts saying that, hey, if this had been black America doing this or any black Americans, um, they would have been shot at by the law enforcement, by the armed guards, by the security, the protection. And it's like, whoa, wait a second here. You know, that's an unfair thing to say, in my opinion. Um, I, this whole thing, it just looks too 
planned. It looks like it's been concocted. I don't know. I'm just, it, it's as, as crazy and chaotic as it looks, it, it's too clean. You know, it's, the reporting is too clean. The details are, I don't know. It looks like something I would have seen on one of my uh, political dramas that I love so much. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, um, you know, to, to, you know, try and inject some sort of racial thing into this is, is probably the wrong thing. I mean, um, it, it's hard to, you know, armchair quarterbacking, it's hard to say what would have really happened. I mean, um, you know, maybe it could have been a Black Lives Matter protest and, and the, you know, the police decided not to <laughs> shoot and just let him in. I mean, you, you don't know uh, what would happen unless that thing actually happens, right? Uh, right. But I do think well, it's, unless you're there. Yeah, and it, I think it's really easy to inject uh, conjecture, right? To to yes. say, oh, well, you know, this would, you know, it's, it's easy to, you know, like I said, to armchair quarterback and say, well, if, you know, this was different than this would have happened. Um, I think you can do that on a lot of levels, and I don't think that's yeah. really the right thing to do here. I mean, one one thing is certain, and the and the elephant in the room that we need to talk about really is that the reason that people are, you know, quote unquote, rioting. Uh, in the Capitol is because they don't feel like the election was fair. They feel right. like there was fraud. They don't feel like it was properly addressed. And and yeah. this gets to our roots of our democracy, right? I mean, we yeah. we, we are the United States of America. Uh, you know, our thing is 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 peaceful transfer of power. And to have a peaceful transfer of power, you have to have a fair election. People have to believe that it's a fair election. And, and I don't think that either side, Democrat or Republican or independents for that matter, I don't believe that anybody feels like, um, you know, that the election was, was totally fair, except maybe for the people that are happy about the outcome, right? Um, right. But I think there was a lot of um, examples of fraud that wasn't properly investigated. Um, and, I, and I think that's a real right. shame because I think a lot of people – um, you know, are going to, even if we do certify Biden as the president, then there always is going to be that doubt that not my president thing. Um, certainly the government has failed on, on all accounts here. I think it's fair to say. I absolutely agree. I don't, I think there's a lot to look at in our election. I'm, I'm disturbed by our election process. I'm disturbed by mail-in ballot voting. I'm disturbed that there was enough, um, there's definitely something there to look at and I don't see any harm in looking at it. If Biden won, I want him to have won with integrity. I don't want him to be president. Let's be clear about that. But if he won, I want him to have won fairly and with integrity. Um, I'm, I'm willing to accept a loss um, in terms of who I voted for, but it's got to be a clean race, you know, make it worthwhile. And that way you can at least respect the guy. That's the problem is that when you have a process is that are lacking, um, you know, that, that are being compromised, it's hard to respect the outcome unless the outcome went your way. And then it's like, Hey, I'm cool with it, you know, but I guess I, I don't know. I guess we should go out screaming to the sky. It worked four years ago. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I, I'm for me, I'm really tired of this whole, uh, people being bitter for four years <laughs> until the next election. Right. I think that crap's right. got to end. I think, well, I think we need it. to get back to having an election and then yeah. somebody wins and we all move forward and work together. But politics have become so polarized and so divided that um, basically we just spend four years complaining about who lost, right? Right. And you know what? I, I know that people have a hard time thinking for themselves. I'm seeing group think more now than I ever have. But quite honestly, just because your favorite celebrity says they hate Trump or they hate Biden or whatever their political view is, doesn't mean you need to hop on that train. It's okay 
to be a supporter of somebody and not like something that they do or not like something that they believe in. You don't have to line up with somebody 100% to be a fan or to be friends with them or work with them or whatever. And that's the one thing I'm getting really tired of is people – and I, I grew up with this kind of stuff. I've seen it over and over again. I disagree with you. Therefore, I don't like you. And it's like, wait a second. What kind of that's, that tells me more about your character than it does anything else. Clearly, um, oh, these websites make me so mad. Yeah. <laughs> Stop playing. Yeah, um, I, I think I think you're totally right. I think um, part of that goes back to how we raise our children, right? And and yes. uh, you know, I think it gets back into the family, the core family values. Uh, yeah. But you know, certainly something's got to give because uh, I mean, well. I mean, let's be honest, um, you know, George W. Bush uh, and the Bushes, you know, they were um, they were Republicans. Right. But I think they tended right. to be a little bit more moderate. Even Bill Clinton was a Democrat, but I think he tended to be more of a moderate Democrat. Um, and then you look at Barack Obama um, and he really pushed the um, you know, he really pushed things to the left as far as, uh, you know, right. where he stood. Now, I believe that when he campaigned, he was more liberal than when he actually governed. I think he was yeah. more of a moderate uh, when he governed because I think that it's easy to be on the campaign trail and say a whole bunch of things, and then you get to the real world, and it's like, oh, well, that that, that may not work exactly like how we thought it was going to work, so right. we'll, we'll do this thing over here, you know? Um, and then you have Donald Trump that comes in uh, after eight years of Barack Obama, and, and you know, Trump is obviously very polarizing, yeah. Right. Um, and so I, I think we need to get back to, uh, you know, electing candidates that are more moderate, um, whether they're Democrat or Republican. Yeah. And, and I know that's probably a fantasy world. Right. Because these days, the people that get the airtime uh, who get the most votes are the ones that are the most polarizing. But yep. but really, we have to make a conscious decision as a country to get out of this whole polarizing, you know, sort of, uh, you know, cycle that we're in and get back to yes. a more moderate cycle. I, I agree. I think we need to um, stop being led by our emotions. It's okay to be mad at something and still support it. There's a, you know, I, it, it, I, I think for yourselves for crying out loud, just, just think for yourselves, have a, know why you're, you have your opinion. Don't follow somebody else's opinion just because you feel like you're, you have to, because you're friends. Um, um, the other thing I think I also want to see, um, improve is that uh oh my gosh i was going somewhere with this and my train of thought just kind of just kind of bannered off um but uh, oh i know what it was um some of the supporters out there i think it's important to realize how um our leader does do things for us despite their own egotistical attitude i think trump has done a lot of great things for the country um, I think obama set us up for some of the division that we are experiencing today and i think due to trump's inability to speak eloquently. Um, he's fed into that, but I know somebody had mentioned in, in a, one of their ramblings of why they dislike Trump. They said, well, Biden takes care of the poor people. And that's why he appeals to so many. It's like, wait a second here. Um, it, it's one of those things where you need to understand that the economics and the politicians and how it all flows in together and that, um, people aren't being taken care of the way that they think they are. Like these stimulus checks are coming in from something that was created by, um, uh, by something else that was bigger. Um, so it's, it's one of those things you just really need to think for yourself, look into the information yourself, just even a little bit and stop, just get the hell off of Facebook and stop listening to that. That's, 
Yeah, there, I think I think so social media has definitely uh, compounded the problem, right? And uh, yes. you know, like you said, people are just voting with their emotions. And um, mm-hmm. quite frankly, I'm I'm really sick of this whole um, you know Republicans want to kill you know or Republicans want to kill people <sighs> and Democrats yes. take care of everybody. I mean, the the honest God's to God's honest truth is that neither side is perfect. No. Um, there are some pros and cons for either yeah. side, but uh, by and large, I don't, I don't see, I see the Democrats talking a lot about how they're going to take care of the poor or, or people that are on welfare, that sort of thing. Uh, but then I also see them, you know, doing a lot of things that are, uh, you know, basically keeping people in that cycle too. So exactly. I, I, I think there's, yes. there's a lot of discussion to be had about that. And, uh, and well, quite frankly, I, I am really tired of people not doing their research and figuring out who their party really is, you know, or taking command of their own uh, fortune, their own, th- their own opportunities. I, you know, when I started out, I'm, I'm happy with my career. I'm making really good money for where I'm at and how, you know, what I've done, but I started at minimum wage, two kids, single mom, no child support, no alimony. And I'm doing much better than that now. So I was at poverty level, poverty level at one point for quite a while. And I've grown past that point, but I had to make choices. I had to make sacrifices. I, I didn't see the, the, the benefits of any president in my life. I had to make those choices. I had to take command of my life and take charge of it and be accountable. And that's one thing I'm seeing is people saying, I need the president to do for me. No, you know what? Nobody owes you jack anything. You owe yourself. And if you can't get off your, your butt and take care of you, I, you know what? Most people are better than us. I leave some people behind, but that's that's me being a cold, heartless wench. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think it's it's been said before, and I, I've said it before, but it's worth saying again. Um, the fundamental difference between Democrats and Republicans when it comes to topics of, you know, welfare is um, not that we should take care of people that are are either falling on hard times or don't have the capacity to to take care for themselves. Uh, because I think both Democrats and Republicans fundamentally uh, believe that there's a, a societal need to do that, right? Right. Um, where I think the division comes is where the line is, right? So I think Democrats think that that line, um, that income line is much higher uh, than where the Republicans think that income line should right. be uh, for when you qualify for those sorts of programs. And, yep. and you know, I mean, to be fair on the Republican side, there 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 is quite a bit of opportunity for um, taking advantage of the system. Uh, you know, yep. maybe, maybe getting, uh, some funds that you maybe shouldn't have, you know, or, or you know, because, uh, right? I think that the welfare system is really designed to, to help you out of poverty. Uh, but the way it currently is, is enacted, I think it, it encourages, uh, that cycle to continue. Right. Um, so yes, I think that's, that's I something agree. to look for, for reform, but fundamentally, I don't think that Democrats or Republicans believe, I mean, certainly there are some Republicans that don't believe in welfare at all, but the majority, I think, you know, if you really were to sit down, they would they would admit that, yeah, there is a need for this. Um, but mm-hmm. I think the fundamental argument is where does that need start? Right. And where does it end? It's yeah, and that's, that's true. Where, where does it end? Right. I mean, yeah. because, um, you know, is it is it something that you're on for a year and then you and then you get out of poverty or is it something you're on for a lifetime? Right. Right. Yeah, there's. We're abusing the system. So many of us are abusing the system and then we still feel entitled. And that's a real issue for me. But I, I, I'm an empower and I, it's uh, just uh, people. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> take a shot, take an edible, and chill out, please. <laughs> uh, what else have we got in the newsroom? We've got... So we, this, we uh, have uh, teacher. Uh, yeah. So the next thing we have here is uh, Chicago teacher union leader uh, was pushing for kids to be out of school because of COVID. We got to, you know, save everybody by, you know, being at home and, and not being out in public. Yeah. And guess where that teacher union leader went? <laughs> that person that was pushing to close all the schools down. Um, well, people <laughs> were really mad because they found that person vacationing. Guess where? In the Caribbean. I mean, so, where else would you vacation? I mean, at? this is ridiculous. This is this makes me <laughs> so mad that somebody would advocate for closing the schools because uh, you know of COVID, which is which is fine. That's fine to say we have to close school because there's a pandemic and we don't want people getting sick. That's great, but then don't turn around <laughs> and go to the freaking Caribbean on vacation. I mean, that is so entirely irresponsible. And, and I mean, it, to me, the whole union should just be fired over this. I mean, certainly the person that went on vacation, they need to be gone. But we all know with the way these unions work. So that person's not probably not getting fired anytime soon. Right. right. I mean, I think I think it's just it, it just makes me so mad to read this stuff. I, I just can't even I, I can't. I, can't I can't even straight. express <laughs> how mad this makes me. It well, just, isn't it, oh, it isn't just it pisses me off. Isn't it hypocritical to say stay home, quarantine, take care of one another, show how you care by staying home and then hopping the next flight to the Caribbean or to wherever exotic tropical place you want to go to where they're literally they're in worse shape than what we are. Like they they're literally their economy, their health, the whole thing. They're they're most of the other places are in lockdowns far worse than what we are. And so it's one thing if you're going to go there and do your remote learning from there, your remote teaching from there. Um, but <laughs> just, um, I, where is this teacher from? Like who, who is this person? Where, uh, where are they supposed I, to be I believe this from? was a Chicago thing. So does that surprise you at all? Um, Chicago is getting such a bad rap. I don't want to say anything along those lines necessarily, but, uh, no, I've given that their leadership right now, not really. I mean, they've got a terrible mayor, um, they're not doing very well. I think they gave up all their gun rights and and they've got the highest murder rate they've ever had. Um, and it's actually at the it's because of arms because people are using guns to shoot each other. So no, this doesn't really surprise me much. I wish that it did that it was from Chicago, but but and she's not well, going to get fired. I, I mean, mean that's, the, nothing's going to happen from it. The thing that makes me so mad about this is this is a classic. Do as I say, not as I do, right? And we've seen right. a bunch of examples of other politicians doing this oh, um, let's get me through this COVID one. thing, right? <laughs> I mean, we've seen, um, was it, I mean, Gavin you know, we, Newsom out Newsom of California, and, Cuomo out of New York, Cuomo, there's the New yeah, Jersey but, governor. I mean, they're they're all out, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, don't, yeah. you know, Thanksgiving, don't go see your family because you might spread COVID. And then they're having big family gatherings. I mean, what or kind stay. of hypocrisy <laughs> is this? This is absolutely freaking ridiculous. And not only should they be you know, kicked out of office, they should never be able to run for office again. This is the level of hypocrisy. But the problem is, is that <laughs> yeah. we, we accept this and it's okay. And it, these people are getting a pass. And, and to me, that's the big problem here is that you have people that are elites that are getting passes that the middle class and the lower classes are not. And yeah. to me, that is un-American and that is treasonous. And we should, we should treat that as severely as we can under the law. Oh, I mean, you know, it's you, just ridiculous. 
Yeah, but you see what they're doing now because it, the the higher class are going out and not and not wearing masks and they're enjoying their families. While the middle and lower classes are going on social media and berating each other for not wearing a mask or harping on each other about the vaccine or doing whatever back and forth, and it's kind of like vilifying these these politicians and these higher elites. And there's there's no accountability. And like well, you said, these, these mean, politicians yeah. should be removed from their seats. If they're not being an example of leadership, then they should be removed from their seats and not allowed to serve again. But that's not going to happen. They're still in their seats. Uh, but I did hear that California was signing a petition to remove Newsom. And I hope, I really do hope that they pull that one off and get him out of there. Because he has been terrible. California is, is experiencing a huge rate of people moving out of that state, business and residential. They are yeah, but that e- even like if they get right him out now, I mean the the damage is done. It's it's not going to be undone for years, and uh, you know I, I think there's probably a pretty low chance that he'll actually get him out because those processes no. are so hard. But I'm like I said, you know, for me, it's accountability. It's you know, don't be a hypocrite. You know, right. I mean everybody, but that's you know, ever since OJ Simpson had had his trial. We have had a loss of accountability in this country, and I think that's really one of the really big things that we're that we're that's our problem in America right now. Is there is no accountability for a lot of people, uh, and people don't feel like they have to be accountable, right? Uh, well, it's so, not their fault, right? It's not my fault if if you know I lose my job. It's not my fault if I you know if my ex wife dies at the you know by dear, damn near cap- decapitation. That's not my fault, and it. it you're seeing all these celebrities that are saying it's not my fault. They're cre- they've created this narcissistic society that we're accepting, but yet we're judging others for it at the very same time. I can't. Now I agree. There's definitely some narcissistic traits to Trump, but that is all. I've never seen narcissism and narcissistic words used as much as I have these last few days. When it's like, wait a second, you are these same people talking about you're owed a stimulus check for COVID. Like that's not even your money, and yet you're saying it's yours. You're entitled to it. You're owed it. Well, I mean, technically, it's all our money, right? I mean, the government doesn't make any money. They just spend our tax money. So, If they uh, weren't making any money, those people who are in politics wouldn't be able to get an income. They would not be They would not be paid, and I don't think they should be paid, but that's a whole other ball of wax. But that's kind of the thing is I'm. everybody thinks they're entitled to something. That goes back to what I said a few moments ago. Nobody owes you anything. You owe yourself. Go out and make it yourself. That's why when – now, my stimulus check hasn't come in, and I don't care apparently TurboTax is screwed up. And um, I just got word that they had all the wrong bank accounts for almost all of their clientele. So nobody who uses oh, no. TurboTax, I know nobody who has used TurboTax got their stimulus checks. Meanwhile, I'm so I'm sitting here quietly, patiently being like, okay, I'm not going to get my money. That's cool. I wasn't even planning on that. So I, I planned for this. I've been with COVID hitting and furloughs and different things. It's like, you know what? I better change my trends and my patterns so I can protect myself. God forbid something crucial happens and I have to make some major changes. So I was preparing myself. Meanwhile, I'm watching people on Facebook. I didn't get my stimulus check because it went to my ex's account or I didn't get my check because it's, you know, it's here or it's there. And, you know, wow, wow, wow. But these people are not, they don't even need it. You know, they're, they're not, they're not trying to take care of themselves. They're relying on the government or other people because they've been conditioned to believe that's what you're supposed to do. And that to me, just that drives me nuts to see that kind of mentality of here, you take care of me and I don't have to take care of myself and I'll keep living beyond my means, but you, you pay me in the end. 
that that's, well yeah i mean if, if we were to take this to the beginning of of where this country was founded i mean you do have you you are entitled to a few things right i mean we start out this country with life liberty and the pursuit of happiness those those are the things you're entitled to uh, you know, no, yeah. nowhere in our founding documents does it say you're entitled to a stimulus check. Right. I mean, now that being said, the government did f this up really bad, right? Uh, and so, I, I mean, I kind of feel like the government owes people money back, right? I mean, if you if you shut down somebody's business, I feel like the government owes that business proper compensation. I mean, they should have never shut it down in the first place, but that's no, a whole other conversation. But correct. if the government comes in and wrecks your life, I believe that you are entitled to proper compensation. Um, now, you know, I think what that is is up for debate. Um, first of all, $600 is not going to make a hill of beans a difference for somebody that, you know, has a thousand dollar a month apartment to pay for. I mean, it's going to take away this thing a little bit. Um, but you know, and then there's these other people who, you know, got the stimulus check or they got their unemployment benefits that were increased during the coronavirus and they're making more money than they were when they were working. And that's completely the wrong thing to do because now you're incentivizing (laughs) people not to work. I'll and so you, you're yes, just you're exactly. just creating that, like I said before, that's how the government creates poverty is because they get people hooked on, oh, well, if I do this free handout, free handout then I don't have to work hard and I'm not going to go back to working hard, right? Yep. You speak, you couldn't speak truer words. I know somebody, and this has been a few years, um, single mom, young child at home. Um, she was working full time and she was getting um, assistance. She was getting state assistance. Um, I don't know what all it was, but I knew it was free medical and, you know, WIC and I think cash assistance or whatever. And she was offered a promotion at work at her job. And she, it wasn't like a glamorous job. It was a good functional one and it was paying the bills um, to a point. But she 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 made little enough to qualify for state aid. So when she was offered her job at work and she ran her number, she's like, uh-uh, I ain't taking that promotion. I will make less money if I take that promotion than if I stick my butt here and continue to make the same money. So she turned down not one, but I believe two or three promotions at the same job because she just was not willing to lose those funds. It's like, you're kidding. You're, you're could be building up on your career, getting a little bit better. And because you're going to be losing 50 to a hundred bucks a month, you're going to turn it down. And what you're getting is not even free money. I, that's money I'm paying in. That's money you're literally paying in with your, through your taxes, but you're not going to even try to get yourself out of your hole. You're going to stay there because it's comfortable, just because something is comfortable doesn't mean it's healthy or good for you. So it's, you're absolutely right. People are, they're trained, they're conditioned, they're incentivized to remain in poverty. And then they go on social media and gripe and want sympathy for it. And they, they yeah, want to know I that mean, they want people to tell them it's not their it, fault. It's, you know, for me, you know, these the social programs should be designed to give you a hand up and they should be explicitly designed to get you out of poverty, not to keep you in it. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the biggest fallacies that uh, people have these days. You know, right when you're, the government's going to save me. Well, the, the government's not there to to save you. <laughs> you know, you're there to, to prosper on your own. The government's there to make right. sure that there's roads and that people don't come in and invade our country, right? I mean, right. Uh, but then again, that gets back to the whole conversation around, 
you know, what is the government's real job? I mean, because is the government's job to take care of everybody, you know, because that's not what a republic is, which is no, what we have. No, that's a socialist society. <laughs> uh, you, you know, well, I mean, then you get into the nuances between fascism, socialism, communism, all the isms, right? Right. Uh, and, and that's yeah. a whole other ball of wax that I don't want to open up tonight. <laughs> but um, I, I can say this, over the long term, all of the countries that are led by the isms go and look at history and they don't tend to last terribly long. Right. Right. And they don't prosper. They don't, they, they go downhill fast and it's a, they're, they're no longer considered first world countries. But as, as one of my Facebook friends say, I, I hope for those that voted the way that they did or get what they, they voted for in four years. How about that? Well, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, <laughs> should we talk word. about something a little more fun? Fun. What's f- yeah, yeah? Let's talk let's about something more fun. So this one so. Is, is fun. I thought you would you would get a kick out of this. Um, I do. You know uh, what are you going to do oh. after the pandemic? Uh, maybe you should take a cruise. You know, we'll take cruise. I bet cruises are going to be cheap. They they're going to want to fill the boats. Uh, but you, did you know you could go on a nude cruise? I didn't even know I, this was a thing. I did. I I have a friend, and I don't know if they are listening right now, but yes, I was aware of this. Um, there's several out there. There's there's cruises for everything, Chris, from um, like your erotic cruises to your swingers cruises to I don't know if I want to be, but maybe I do. So it's like an anything goes, try it out. Clothes optional, see through. Yeah, there's a, there's a cruise for everything. And I was just floored. And to boot, there's also resorts of the same nature. And so, yes, I was aware this was a thing. I knew that Carnival had not been providing these prior to, I think, I'd have to, st- I, I wish this person was awake and listening because they would text me what the name of the cruise is that, that get they, the inside, they and their spouse. The inside, yeah, I'm, jo- <laughs> right, inside news to, here. <laughs> right. Uh, but I was kind of in shock because when I, when my friend told me about this, um, they even have professional photographers that'll take erotic photos of you and your spouse doing different things. And there's some cruises that are like, when you can have a threesome, but only two girls and a guy, not two guys and a girl. So there's some boundaries, believe it or not. In other words, people but, people have really thought about this, right? Yes, <laughs> That's what I'm getting out of this. People have thought about was, this. I don't know if I could do this. So, I, I, you know, when my friend was telling me about this, like, you should totally try this. It's great. It's liberating. Like, like I've, I've done some things I thought were pretty risque, but it, when they told me about this, I was like, oh, I, you know, I just... <laughs> So, I, so to be practical about this, I mean, first of all, I don't think anybody wants to see me on a nude cruise, right? I need, I got about 200 pounds to lose before anybody's even talking about that. But that all aside, you know, you're in the sun, you're in, you know, you got to put like sunscreen on, right? Like, right, you everywhere. know, and then normally everywhere. with the, at least with the boys, you know, a bathing suit, it kind of covers the, some important bits that, you know may not want sunscreen on or might be a little awkward to put sunscreen on. I, I don't know. I, there, there's some more things to think about here. This is, Oh my God. I just, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I know that Bo would not go on one of these with me. I couldn't even get him on a regular cruise, let alone one where clothes are a possible option. And I know he probably feels the same way. Nobody wants to see him naked and he doesn't want to see anybody else naked unless she's hot. I can tell you that right now, but, um, yeah, this make this cracks me up because I'm sure people. Well, you know, what's really funny about this is of all the emotional roller coasters that people have been on, they will probably hesitantly and skeptically sign up for this, to, to only to find out it was the most awesome experience they've ever had. Like they would have met the best people on here, and 
my friend has networked on these things and has gained relationships and friendships, not relationships, but friendships where, um, my, my friend and, and their spouse will go visit these other couples just for fun. And, and I had to ask him like, well, when you visit them, are, are clothes optional in the home or like, what do you guys do? And he's like, no, we're totally dressed. It's fine. <laughs> like I had to ask. Well, like, may, do you recognize maybe, each other with your clothes on, or you know, what? maybe if we get enough donations here, we can schedule a biz and mayhem, you know, uh, carnival clothing optional, you know, cruise. Oh, there's no, our fundraiser. That's our send, fundraiser. Yeah. Send biz and mayhem on the cruise and see what happens. <laughs> that's awesome. All I'm saying uh, is, if, if if we were to do that, I'm not going to be totally naked because I'm going to wear the <laughs> tightest T-shirt that I could possibly put on, and it's going to say, "I'm fat. Let's party." <laughs> I'm buying you that shirt now. I'm going to find it. You're All going right. to wear it. <laughs> when, when you send it to me, I'll wear it on the show for an entire show. I'm going to do it. This is it. <laughs> Just don't make it too tight. I don't want to look like the Hulk, you know? I mean, he I mean we got to make it look realistic, buddy. Come on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So now that we have that out the way, let's talk about life after COVID. What is this about? What did you find? No, that's not, that was life after COVID. That, that was article. life after that was COVID. Life, no. No, this, okay, I know, this is the one. <laughs> um, I, we were already talking about this a little bit. Um, so the second stimulus check, so um, I know I got my stimulus check right away. I don't know, Chris, if you got one or if you got it pretty quickly, but it seemed like um, as these, they were talking about these stimulus checks going out and people were posting pretty quickly on social media that they got there. So I thought, well, that's weird. I haven't received mine. Maybe... I'm not getting one. And they have this tool called, um, I think it's get my, get, get my payment tools. So you click the link on the, the website. Um, and it's everywhere. You can actually just Google, get my tool or get my payment. And you put in the information they ask for, and it can tell you if, and when your stimulus check was deposited. And if it wasn't, you know, what's the status on it? Well, mine said it, it there was no status available. And I thought, well, that's weird. So I started looking at that. Maybe I'm not eligible for this one and same requirements as the last time. So I should be. And it's like, okay, well, whatever. I wasn't really relying on it. I'm not going to worry about it. And then I ran across this article. So if you used um, tax preparation services like Jackson Hewitt, some of those places will, when you when you get your cert, your taxes done, they will offer to have um, their payment for providing you with the service taken directly out of your refund, right? And so um, in order to do that, they will open another account, tell the IRS to drop the money, your refund into that account. They'll take their fee out of that account and then you have access to the rest. Problem is that when you empty that account out, they will close, Jackson Hewitt will, Jackson Hewitt will close it down, but they will not tell the IRS that that account has been closed. And so places like Jackson Hewitt have found um, and I think TurboTax is actually on this list in H&R Block. Um, they've all had account screw-ups because accounts were closed, they were rejected, what have you. Um, and so now if you didn't get your refund, it's not because you didn't, um, we're not eligible for it. It's because if you use one of these services, it's their screw-up and now they have to get everything fixed, update the IRS and let them know, hey, this is actually what you need to be doing and so like with TurboTax, I just got the email literally an hour and a half ago that said, hey, so sorry, um, while we didn't give them the wrong bank account, like we didn't give them a closed down bank account, we gave them all the wrong bank account information for everybody. So they just flopped 
the entire process. And so I thought, well, for those people who were eagerly awaiting their $600 or whatever amount it is, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer because um, these people really effed up badly. <laughs> so it's, so you, do you think uh, anybody's getting fired uh, over this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> probably not. I mean, you know, you accountability so. zero. Nobody's getting fired. Council, I think they're probably giving these people promotions. Culture, right. <laughs> Good job. What a great way to get it. Everybody's looking up or everybody's looking at our, our, our sites now. We're, we're getting so many hits on the website. You're, you're promoted. Yeah, yes, so like, so basically, uh, this is a big screw up. If you use the tax preparation service, they uh-huh. they kind of goofed up. Uh, so the government is trying to send you your money, and <laughs> right. these people are jacking it up, right? right? Which you know, normally it's the private sector that's not jacking it up, and the government's the one that's that's yeah. had the issue, right? But but uh, so we'll pull it up again here. This is uh, the the IRS website. Uh, you can go to irsgov uh, slash coronavirus slash get my payment, or you can probably just Google IRS, my, yeah. you know, economic payment status, and I'm sure it'll come right up. Uh, but yeah, there's a site um, here you can click on the button. I guess you put some information in, right? Uh, yeah, and then, it's pretty uh, personal. Yeah, and then you uh, you can figure out uh, where your money's at. So hopefully everybody gets their money quickly. Well, they have, um, I mean, that was they have the until intent. the 15th. They have until the 15th. The IRS has got to issue these payments by the 15th. Now, here's the kicker. If you don't get it by the 15th, you have to wait till you pr- do your taxes from 2020. And then you have to claim it on this. There's a recovery rebate credit on line 30 of the 1040 form and the 1040 SR form. So it's like it's an extra added step for your tax preparation people to go through to get you this money. So it's like, man, you know what? Just why don't you just send checks? Like, why are we doing this? That's just one more script of the government. That's awesome. Let's see. Uh, let the, let's let the CPAs riot over that one. See what happens. Well, yeah. And of course they're, they're going to charge you more money, right? Because oh, oh, now we got yeah. an extra step. They got another form to fill out. They're going to charge you more yep. money for filling this dang form out. It's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, it's just amazing. Even giving everybody in the country money is just so complicated. You know, I, it's, it's just kind of blows my mind. It, it well, it, I, like I said, I'm just at that point of what's next. I'm not going to even be surprised. I'm just gonna be like, okay, what's next? <laughs> next, please. I'm just give me a shot in the next bit of news. Let's just, that's how this should work is the government should stop sending money and start sending a round of shots for every screw up that they have. Or every time there's an issue that it arises, everybody will just be drunk and happy. That's how we need to handle well, this. Yeah, they they certainly could do a lot a less taking of money and spending it. That's for sure. Right. Speaking of uh, of you know of spending money, you know uh, a lot of people are out there looking for jobs right now. And I came across mm-hmm. this article, and it's not really a news thing, but it's you know I guess it could have been part of our career section. But I thought it was yeah. kind of useful and wanted to get out there. Um, so this article is, um, and it's from 2016, so it's it's a little bit old, uh, but I think the concept still works. And what it is, is oh, it's, yeah. uh, the, the title here is, uh, I review hundreds of cover letters, and here's what I instantly reject. And so, um, you know, here's some advice from somebody that looks at a lot of cover lovers, letters, and they're telling you, you know, hey, don't write a generic cover letter because it's going to get instantly thrown in the in the round file in the trash, right? Right. So uh, I think this is a pretty good article. It goes through a lot of different things here, um, and uh, it, it's worth definitely worth the read if you're in the job market or going to be in the job market and you know putting cover letter on stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you got to realize too when cover letters are um, when they're useful and when they're not useful. Usually, if you're going for an internal position, cover letters are not necessary. They're not going to get read. I've 
had more than one HR professional tell me that for internal job postings, don't even bother with the cover letter. Um, and if you're going for, if you don't know how to use a cover letter to do some research into it before you just write something that says, Hey, I'm really good at my job and I've been doing really good at it for 10 years. And thanks for reading. Um, stay away from super wordy things and make it simple and easy and worth reading. But yeah, this is a, I was reading through this and this, this guy, it's good to see somebody who's had so much experience come up with a, um, a way to format it simply, cleanly, concisely. This is a good one. Well, should we do the career section? Yeah, let's do that. It's time to work that career and lift and push and lift and push. You got it. Now harder, lift and push. It's the career workout. So yeah, you've got a uh, an article here, how to have difficult conversations at work. Yeah, there um you know, I did some training recently. It's literally called Crucial Conversations. So I wanted to share some of, um, find something that, that would offer some of what I learned at that training, which I thought was really, really great. It's information that I've been privy to in the past. And I think it's really helpful because there's times when we get really upset with what's going on at work. Um, we start kind of reading in between the lines of our boss's action and some of their emails or their communications to us. And we start assuming the worst, like, my boss doesn't want me here because they're not assigning me as much work or, um, I don't understand, you know, why, you know, my boss is treating me this way or giving me the cold shoulder, or you try to take a pattern of behavior and turn it into bad news. And so, um, that it's about that time that you need to consider having a conversation with your boss, but that can be really scary trying to approach your boss and say, Hey, why are you doing this? It's almost like challenging their authority. And there is a way to do that without coming across as a jerk or, mean or insensitive, what have you to the boss. And so, uh, but you also don't want to come off too soft and, and feel like you're, give yourself the opportunity to be brushed aside. So some of the things this article t- talks about is, you know, being direct with your boss. Don't, uh, don't beat around the bush. Just say, Hey, point blank. I've noticed X, Y, Z. Um, is everything okay with you? Are we getting along? Is there something I need to be doing better? It's kind of like asking for that evaluation. So you got to be prepared to hear something that either you're not familiar with or you didn't realize you were doing or thought you were doing something right when it might be construed as something differently. Um, being specific. So don't give vague examples. Like you're always so mean to me. You're always so cold to me. You rarely ever talk to me. Give examples. You know, last week I noticed that you seem to be not talking to me as much or last week I noticed that you know, so-and-so got more projects than what I did. Um, try to come up with very good specific examples to paint the picture for your boss or whoever you need to have the conversation with. Um, so good idea to plan out the conversation. This is kind of like playing it out in your head and kind of having that conversation within yourself, like an inner dialogue saying, you know, that what you're going to say, and then kind of thinking about how that person would respond to you. This can be difficult with somebody that you don't know as well, or somebody that you have a, a little bit of a fear or anxiety to talk about with. But the more you plan out that conversation and kind of incorporate emotional intelligence, um, the better it's going to turn out no matter what happens, but you'll feel better for um, at least approaching it and kind of having an understanding of how you want to, how you want to direct it and guide it. Yeah, I think having these kinds of conversations certainly isn't easy. And it's something that takes yeah. um, a little bit of skill and a little bit of practice. 
And, uh, and it's certainly worth, um, you know, reading up on what's a good way to have a good conversation around this. And I know, you know, even now at work, when I have to have a difficult conversation with somebody, I, you know, you have a little bit of anxiety, I think, before it because, yeah. you know, it kind of gets, you know, oh, I really don't want to go have this conversation, <laughs> right. you know, kind of thing. And, and you know, my advice there is, uh, you know, like the article says, plan it out a little bit make sure you watch, you know, plan your words, right? Just yes. don't like word vomit on somebody because <laughs> that, that never goes over very good, you know. Uh, but, uh, definitely plan it out, make sure it's the right time. You know, if somebody's trying to run out the door or something, uh, or yes. just got in, you know, I mean, it's probably not the right time to have a very deep conversation yeah. <laughs> with somebody. Uh, but yeah, definitely a very good skill to have it. And it's something that if you're, um, you know, not very confident at, or haven't had a lot of practice about it, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing to read up on and, and yeah. practice and, um, I think it's completely legit to ask a friend to say, hey, help me role play this a little bit. Um, you know, and it's good if you can find somebody that's going to be a little bit of a devil's advocate, maybe throw you a curveball of what somebody might say. Yeah. Um, certainly, certainly, uh, you know, get a little bit of practice in before you have the actual conversation. And, you know, what I will say as you have more of these kinds of conversations, they become less difficult to have. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think the first couple you have are probably the hardest. Um, and, and then after that, definitely, uh, it becomes easier. Uh, yeah, I agree. Especially if you go in with the goal and that's where offering a solution comes into play. Don't just go in there to, like you said, don't go into word vomit or vent, but go in with a solution to what you think the problem might be. Manage your emotions, um, uh, being empathetic, um, and asking for the other, you know, asking, um, getting feedback from the other person, asking questions of them and giving them the opportunity to ask questions to kind of clarify things. But I think being empathetic is a is a huge one to keep in mind. I know that when I was um, when I was laid off a few years ago, my boss I felt so bad for him when he wasn't expecting to lay me off. Me and one other person sat me down, flat out told me, "I respect you too much. This is what's going on." It's like, wow, I feel really bad for you that you have to do this to me like this. And I know it's not what you want to do. And it really touched him and it, it really connected us. And we were able to, to leave that conversation feeling good, despite the fact that I left there jobless. So, um, <laughs> but it, it is, like I said, the first few are really uncomfortable, but once you figure out your momentum for them and how to, to read other people and kind of manage it, it gets, I don't want to say it gets easier, but it does get easier. You, you, you don't look forward to having those difficult conversations, but you do get more skilled at it. And that's really important to have in building your career and being able to communicate effectively. Yeah, certainly a good skill to have. Well, uh, let's do the uh, career fail of the week. Career fail of the week. Career fail of the week. All right. So what have you got here? It's uh, from the full house to the big house. <laughs> yeah. And then back home again. So if you were a full house fan, you are very familiar with um, Aunt Becky. She was played by Lori. I always have said her name wrong. I guess it's Lori Lachlan. Um, clearly an Irish name. So Lori Lachlan was involved in the college admissions scandal. If you remember hearing about this in the last year, um, several High-end celebrities, Felicity Huffman was one of them. Lori Loughlin and her husband, Massimo, that's that brand, that um, that designer of the clothes that were really popular back when we were in high school. Um, these celebrities um, basically got their children admitted through the so-called back door of these major universities. I think this one was uh, the University of Southern California. 
Um, and what they did was instead of going through the actual admissions process, which can be really difficult to get into the school, these celebrities would take the back door and pay or quote unquote donate a very large amount of money to have their children admitted without any ado. And so they were caught. It was a huge scam that um, the main guy, and I don't remember his name. I'd have to find it in the article. Um, but there was a ringleader who was basically saying, hey, your, your kid doesn't have that great of a chance of getting in, but if you go this way with me, I'll guarantee it. And so many of them were caught. Felicity Huffman immediately took a, her, she took part, she admitted her part in it. She spent 11 days in jail. It didn't hurt her career as bad, but she she held on to her respect because she said, yeah, I did this. It wasn't smart. I did it. I did it for the better of my children. I'm going to I'm gonna face this. I'm going to take this on. Lori Loughlin, however, tried to say, I don't know what you're talking about. I, this, I was totally innocent. They scammed me. I didn't realize. I was told I was donating to charity. I thought my kids were fine to get in. So she fought it and denied it and denied it. And finally, she's like, okay, yeah, I knew. And I'm just trying to get out of trouble. And so because she didn't own it and she didn't take accountability for it, um, she lost that whole pure Aunt Becky facade she had that was attached to her character just kind of fell apart, melted away. And now we have Lori Lachlan, the, the, the prison inmate. So she spent two months in jail. She's got a lot of fines to pay back. Her husband spent like five months in jail. She's out. She just got out um, late last month and um, neither one of her daughters are attending. Both her daughters got in. So she paid for both her kids to go to the school and now neither one of them are attending school there. So not only did she ruin her life, but she really tarnished that the reputation of her daughters because now it looks like you can't do anything without mommy and daddy's money. So epic. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is classic helicopter parenting, right? I mean, if you've got to spend a bunch of money to get your kid into college, uh, you're probably doing it wrong. Just FYI, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that's not how college admission works. But, yeah. but again, this is another case of, you know, do as I say and not as I do. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody else has got to go through the college admission process and have things on their, on their, you know, on their, on their applications and, uh, you know, do all sorts of, you know, things to make them distinguish from the, the next person down the line. And yeah. these people are like, Oh yeah, we can just bypass that by paying this dude some money. And he'll get us in the back door, you know? Yeah. And it's caught up with her. And if she just would have owned it, if she would have owned it, she'd have held on to her integrity. She might would have a potential career. But at this point, it, it, it'll it take her a long Like It was like Winona Ryder when she got caught stealing. She's like, oh, I was just practicing for a part. It took her years to recover from that. Now she's back and she's bigger than ever in Stranger Things. But with Lori Loughlin, this is going to stick around for a while. She may not be acting ever again. This may be an epic career fail, career fail for her. So, which is sad. I loved Aunt Becky. She was so Aunt Becky. She was great. And now she's like, oh, well, now you're kind of that aunt. <laughs> you know, you're you're that mom. So um, definitely tarnished her. Uh, everything she set up, she ruined in one news uh, report. So that's it's uh, too bad, but... Um, definitely something to learn from. Yeah, Aunt Becky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I mean, I'll pass on all these people. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the the audacity of somebody to think that they, you know, just because they have money that they can they can play by these different rules uh, that just you know that bothers me. And I, I think um, you know, even letting their career come back is 
uh, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's too harsh to say that they should be banned forever, but, um, you know, certainly spending a couple months in jail, uh, you know, sucks, but I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think that's more of a slap on the wrist than anything else. I mean, they, you know, they blatantly, um, you know, to knew, knew what the rules were and decided not to play by them. Exactly. Well, you know what? You've got to wonder too with celebrities because, um, because of their celebrity status, people are willing to take advantage of that and use them. And I, I'm not saying that she's not guilty. She is. She's a smart lady. She knew what she should have been doing. You kind of have to wonder, is the beast creating itself or does the fan base create the beast? Like, or is it a mixture of the both of them? And well, but, but, but is it really she, celebrity status or is it really money? Right. I mean, oh, somebody who wasn't a celebrity that had money probably, you know, was involved mm-hmm. in this too. I mean, there um, was, yeah. You know, There's I, a lot of people but, that, but that's, but that's all part of college. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think the colleges are clean here either because you know, it, <laughs> no. it's, somebody had to know something was going on. The colleges can't say that they were totally oblivious to this and they are more than happy to take these people's donations. Right. Right. So I, bad on everybody, you know, <laughs> right. yes. I mean, uh, yes. you know, uh, but college Just admissions is such a <laughs> weird deal anyhow, because I mean, you know, are there really that many people that are not getting into college that, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I think college is a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a business first, first of all, yeah. you know, and, and I don't have a lot of love for a lot of these colleges cause they've raised their tuition so high because a lot of the, you know, student loans are easy to get. Um, yeah. and they're really taking advantage of people in that way. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, that's the thing is that they're not supposed to be for profit. Schools are nonprofit organizations and yet they're trying to become a for profit. You're supposed to be providing a service that helps the social outcome, not, not line your dollar with millions. And so that's one thing that bothers me about the colleges out there. They have these bigger colleges and we have some in the state of Kansas and you know who you are. Um, you have millions in reserves and yet you're charging outrageous amounts of, of money to kids on a per credit hour basis or yeah, I, I digress. It's, it's a system that is jacked up. Yeah. I think that's, that's a whole nother topic we could go off yeah. on a tangent for, for hours, but, uh, yeah, I mean, let's wrap it up there. I mean, uh, you know, certainly if you're a celebrity or got lots of money, uh, don't be a dick and pay a bunch <laughs> of money to try and get your kid in, in front of the line. I mean, right. first of all, you know, your, your kids will be better off if you just let them do their own thing at the college level. Right. I mean, by the time they get to college, they, they're an adult, they should be doing their own thing. Now, I mean, if you want to pay for their tuition, that's great. I mean, but you know, don't be getting yourself going to jail because you thought you could get them to cut the line. You right. know? Uh, so anyhow, well, yeah. uh, should we go on to the it corner? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk tech. You're in the IT corner. So I have for us this week, actually something truly nerdy, uh, <laughs> truly IT related here. Uh, I'm going to bring it up. It is a uh, crimper tool that is used to make network uh, cable connections, you know. So uh, I have my new house here. I had them run uh, network cables so I could uh, plug hardwire, plug things in, uh, cause that's still faster than the uh, wireless sometimes, yeah. uh, and more reliable. Um, but, uh, anyhow to, to do the show tonight, I have a bunch of things that needed to be plugged in. And so I ran the wires 
had to put ends on them. Um, and I had crimpers, uh, you know, that I've had for 10 years, but, uh, They've apparently come up with some new kind of connectors that are called pass-through connectors that, that make doing these connections a lot easier. Um, so I forked out the money from Lowe's and bought, <laughs> bought some new connectors and a new crimp tool. And I have to say they work really good. Um, oh, good. Because, uh, you know, doing these kinds of connections is... Uh, well, it kind of sucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you got you to gotta twist the wires and untwist them and straighten them out and then get you know and there's then in a network cable there's eight wires and you have to get them in exactly the right order um across oh, otherwise boy. it doesn't work um and so you could go through all the effort to get this end on and then test it and realize you get two of the wires backwards and you got to cut it off and do it all oh, over gosh. again so anyhow this this takes the guesswork out of it um and it's kind of unique what it does is the uh you, you put all the wires together and you and you slip them into the connector and then while the before you crimp it uh, it has the, you know, the wires stick out of the connector so you can actually see if they're in the right order or not, which, oh, wow. um, a lot of the other connectors, you have to cut these wires short and then stuff them in the connector and then you can't really see if they're in the right order. Oh, um, gosh. but with this tool, it, it allows you to see the wires in the right order. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then you're, you know, basically you, you stick this thing in and crimp it. And when you crimp it, it cuts all the wires off and you're done. So it makes it really fast for, uh, for creating a network cable ends. So I would highly recommend it, uh, if you've got to do something like that. So like I said, this week <laughs> is uh, totally nerdy. Um, not too yes, many people are probably going to need that, but, uh, if you do, it's out there. <laughs> nice. Very nerdy. Very nerdy. By the way. Very uh, I mean, nerdy. I feel like Al Yankovic or weird Al Yankovic <laughs> nerdy. Right. And you, yes, um, yes, <laughs> that one I can see. That's let's, awesome. Let's do some media madness. <laughs> Welcome to media madness. So yeah, this week, uh, what have you got here for media madness? Uh, Hidden figures. That's a that's a pretty darn good show. Yeah, I saw it, and uh, this won't surprise you because we've had several conversations about the movies I have not seen. Um, but I finally saw this movie. I think I missed the, just like the first part of it, but I got, I got to see, I think what was the real, um, emotional part of it where, um, the main character is starting to show her talent and her skill and her value to NASA. And so I thought this was, I know this is, it's not like an old, old movie. It's just a couple of years old, I think, but I think this movie just kind of, it, it really touched me emotionally because seeing how people were treated despite their abilities and their skill sets was really infuriating to me. And it was really cool to see how these women rose up. And um, if I'd love to, I'm going to do some research to see if some of these conversations were true. Like when the gal was um, missing from her spot for like 40 minutes, several times a day. And when the boss approaches her, he's like, where the hell are you at? She's like, I'm in the bathroom. I have to go clear across campus to get to the bathroom. Cause you have none here for me. Cause I'm black and there's no colored bathrooms over here. And, he goes down and he tears off the sign from the, the bathroom saying, no more. We all pee the same color. That's all it is. At NASA, we all pee the same color. It's like, you know what? As trashy sounding as that might sound, it's entirely true. And so this just I think this is a great, um, it's a great reminder of how far we really have come in terms of our variances, our physical differences, and, and how much we have accepted one another and how we have come to terms with the idea that we all are as smart or as capable or as talented or as dumb as the next person. Um, and that we just need to kind of wake up and realize we aren't as bad off as what we once were. We've come such a long way. And so this movie was just a really great reminder of it. And it was, like I said, I, 
I'm not much for like girl power and feminism and all that great fun stuff, but I was very impressed with how they presented this movie and the um, empowerment that these women were given to stand up and say, we can do this. And they didn't, they weren't mean about it. They weren't volatile. They weren't verbally abusive. They came in with facts and just presented themselves so eloquently and professionally. It's like, God, where is that today? It was such an art to present in that fashion. And so I, I just thought this was a great movie to remind us of how far we really have come and how you can make a, how you can make your case without um, going to extremes. If, you know, it's just, just presenting it really well, well articulate is what I'm trying to get out. Yeah, it was a great, great movie. Um, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's such a, 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 you know, a piece of history that we need to learn from. You know, and, yes. and it's, uh, I, I, yes. I mean, this is a part of the time when, uh, you know, this is, is getting, you know, towards the end of segregation and things like that. Um, and, and at NASA for crying out loud, I mean, these, these women were brilliant, yeah. um, you know, and, and to be treated differently solely for the color of our skin, uh, of, of their skin is just, you know, it, it's, it's mind blowing, but, uh, you know, and it's, um, I mean, it did happen. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've got a story where I worked for a company, um, in the deep South and they had a hanger and, and this hanger is, you know, old, <laughs> Um, you know, in the back corner of it, it had a bathroom and then it had kind of a storage room. And if you looked over the pane, the pane on the door for the storage room, I mean, it said colored, you know, colored bathroom. And it was like, I mean, the, the letters were still there. It was really chilling, um, to think that that's, that's what we used to do in this country. And I think it is a good reminder of how far we have come and not that there isn't, you know, more to go, but, but I think, you know, it, it's important to look back and, and see what we're not doing anymore. Um, well, you know, I, I, but, uh, I, I agree with you that scene, that bathroom scene where he smashed the sign down, oh, it, was awesome. it, it was great. I, I, I hope that happened in real life like that. I hope it's not I'm just gonna a, look into it, you know, <laughs> but yeah, you need to find out about that. I will, you know, and that's, that, that kind of rolls into another clip that I saw from Morgan Freeman, who was being interviewed by a, a liberal uh, black American. I can't remember. It's been a couple of years ago. But the, the reporter's like, do you see racism as a problem in this country? Do you think you being black has impacted any part? Like he's trying to get Morgan Freeman to say, yeah, being black has been a problem in my life. I've really had to struggle. And Morgan Freeman was like, no, because I didn't focus on my skin color. And I didn't care if anybody else focused on my skin color. I focused on my goals. And if we all would just focus on our goals, you'll actually see the problems aren't as as big as what you've made them out to be. And it was just like, God, that's how these women handle these problems, according to this movie, which I'm sure has some Hollywood licensing attached to it. But these women didn't focus on their skin color. Everybody else might have. But they saw past it and kept saying, look, this is the fact. You can deny the facts if you want to, but you're screwing yourself up if you do you're holding back the project. And it was, it's just focused. Like I said, we may have, we have, we only have that far to go because we've created that distance for ourselves and we didn't need to. We just focus on what we're trying to get done, what we're trying to accomplish and not the appearance of, of what we're seeing with our eyes. Then, you know, we could do so much better in this country. So yeah, that, that's my pick for the week. Little, 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 little hidden gem, hidden figures. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely one. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. It's so, I mean, it's educational for one. Um, but it, and it's a fantastic story. Um, I mean, and, and just the whole story about putting 
Man on the Moon in 1969. I mean, one of the things you'll hear me say if you hang around me long enough, you know, if I have a cell phone call that drops in 2021, it's like, you know, we put three dudes on the moon in 1969. You think we can figure out a cell phone, you know? Uh, right. So, I mean, but but the that whole moon project was just phenomenal and um, the amount of work that went into it and, and all before computers really, um, you know, and they're doing the, this math by hand and, and using computers, yeah. the early computers to, to do some of the calculations and um, r- really just a fantastic story overall. So yeah. yeah, that's a great pick. Thanks for once. <laughs> what about yours? What's this hunting Hitler? What do you mean for once? <laughs> I, you always have good picks. So what I've got here is uh, an interesting show. And so um, so truth be told, you know, the, this vacation rolled around and I, you know, I had a list of things about a mile long I wanted to do and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do this, you know? And then I get found this show hunting Hitler and <laughs> basically didn't get any of it done. Um, <laughs> but I did, I did sort of binge watch this. There's three seasons of it. Uh, but the premise okay. behind it is, um, they, the, the concept around, well, maybe Hitler didn't commit suicide. Maybe he got out of Germany, uh, at the end of world war II. Um, and there's, you know, uh, there's some evidence to say, well, maybe he didn't commit suicide. Um, but what this show does is it takes, um, the, it's, uh, the main character in it, if you will, um, is a former CIA agent and he basically uses that same methodology to, um, you know, uh, test out theories. And so, um, the government declassified a bunch of documents around Hitler and world war II. And they fed all these into a database and he said, okay, well, um, you know, here's what the theory is. Let's go, let's go test that out. And so they'll, they'll go do an investigation, you know, on site and they'll look for things that corroborate, uh, whatever the intelligence report said kind of thing. Um, and they do this over and over and over again. What they found out was, um, there's, there were actually two escape routes out of Germany. There was a Northern escape route and a Southern escape route. And they were actually able to verify that some of the high-ranking Nazis were actually able to use the southern escape route and get to um, Argentina and South America and actually live to be old men and die. Um, And so um, it's really fascinating. Some of them took on fake names. Um, There's a a huge twist uh, in season three, I think, where the Catholic Church was actually helping people uh, helping Nazis. Let's be real clear about this. They were helping Nazis get fake names with the Red Cross. So the Red Cross was the Red Cross and, uh. and the Catholic Church were openly and knowingly helping Nazis escape uh, to basically evade trial, if you will. So wow, um, super interesting stuff. Um, really, you know, makes you think about history a little bit differently. Yeah, um, and there's some crazy, crazy stuff that they go into. Um, they have teams of people on the ground and the teams are usually, they have investigative journalists and, and a green beret, uh, you know, or special <laughs> forces people. And so they're like, Oh, well let's use the sonar to see if there's a boat here, you know, that's sunk. Oh my gosh. And then they, you know, they find a ping and they'll go down and some, t- some of the dives, they don't find anything. And that's real dramatic and like, Oh, we wish we found a boat, but we found this piece of metal, <laughs> you know, oh and others, gosh. I mean, they've, they went down they found a U-boat, um, oh, and they wow. found some seaplanes that, uh, and they found out that, um, the Nazis had actually figured out how to refl- refuel seaplanes with U-boats. And so that means that they could fly or basically across the Atlantic um, yeah. more efficiently that way. So 
Um, oh lots God. of really, really interesting stuff. If you're a history buff at all, like World War II, um, you know, clear out about a week and a half, uh, and you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to be glued to this thing. Cause it, it's one of those shows that you get through the first episode and you're like, okay, I can't stop. <laughs> I have to go see what episode two is. Um, oh my gosh. you know, and then you get oh. to the end of the first season, you're like, holy mackerel, I gotta go, you know, <laughs> so it, it just, it, it, it hooks you in for sure. I'll have to tell so, Bo about one about that one. He'll be really interested in that one if he doesn't already know about it. That's awesome. Yeah, so I, cool. I would highly recommend it for for anybody out there that uh, you know that likes that likes the history. So yeah, yep. definitely definitely a recommended watch. Nice. Well, you ready to close us out of here? Yeah, we can do that. Are you ready? Let's do it. All righty. Well, we thank you guys for listening again tonight to this episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. If you like the show, we know that you do. You can show us a little love by posting a review on iTunes, and don't forget to don't forget rather to send us a few bucks on Patreon or PayPal. We'll love you forever because putting this podcast together for you guys it's not free. So we'd love for you to help us out with that. To get the notes for this episode, head over to bizandmayhem.com. That's B-I-Z-A-N-D. M-A-Y-H-E-M.com, almost forgot how to spell there, and look for Season 2, Episode 22. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, have some fun, the mayhem. You guys have a great night. All right, we'll see you later. The Biz and Mayhem podcast is produced by Check 6 Creative Studio. If you have a podcast or have been wanting to start one, let us know. We'd love to help you produce and edit your podcast. We'd also love to work with your business on marketing and video production. Visit us on the web at check6studio.com. That's C-H-E-C-K-S-I-X-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. Let us know you heard about us on the Biz and Mayhem podcast.